Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Francisco L. Borges and the Melville Charitable Trust. Okay, this is the worst music you're going to hear for the next hour. Because <laughs> we're going to start playing some really great jazz music. We do this every year with our three kings of jazz. Uh, they are back. Uh, this is a unit that we will never break up if we can possibly avoid it. Uh, and I think the music that they've chosen this year is especially nourishing. Uh, it's expe- especially it's rich and, and reassuring. And you need that right now. I'm also just struck, as I usually am, by the fact that you know we're going to talk about 11 cuts of really terrific jazz music. I didn't really add it all up. I would say six of them have a substantial connection to Connecticut, where we do this show. Uh, Because Connecticut really has this incredible jazz country thing that people don't know about. Anyway, all of that is to come. Get ready to enjoy some beautiful jazz right after this. Okay, this is our uh, show that we do every year on the best jazz of the year. That isn't really one of the songs. I just opened with it because it's actually the jazz tune that probably more people heard for the first time this year than anything I can think of anyway. And the reason is uh, it's, it was actually a sort of a live uh, person singing in a bar scene in Queen's Gambit, the very heavily watched um, Netflix show. It's actually a young artist named uh, Anna House who's just getting her career going. And you know, it sounds like it's like a Birkin Van Heusen tune. Or, it turns out she, she, I think she's German, and she and a couple of other German musicians wrote that song. <laughs> It's not a Brooke and Van Heusen oldie. All right. So that'll be the last of my musical opinions for the entire day. You'll be glad to know because, in fact, we've got our usual crew. I think we're underbranded. They need some kind of name. I don't know if we've ever come up with that. Uh, Joining us now is Jen Allen, a pianist, composer, uh, arranger, and educator. Her new album is Sifting Grace. Noah Behrman is a pianist, composer, and educator. His new album is Love Right. Uh, and Gene Seymour is, first of all, the mayor of our, the Colin McEnroe Show's annual jazz program, uh, maybe his most lordly title anyway, and a film, television, and music critic. But he's sort of the, Gene is sort of the guy who persuaded us to start doing this a long, long time ago. And boy, were we lucky that we listened to him. Um, so welcome back, everybody. Uh, Merry holidays and all that kind of stuff. And um, it's, you know, usually it's just weird because a lot of times we can't see Gene because he's somewhere else. But Noah and Jen, I'm so used to seeing you guys, and it's just very strange. Yes, it's really weird. <laughs> you can confirm that it's strange? Yes. yes. We are, we are uh, remote within remote, yes. Yeah. We have unanimity about strangeness. Yes. So maybe it may, it may not be the only unanimity we have uh, in this call. Yes. We'll see. Yes. Yeah. 
So, you know, before we start, start in, I just wanted to say that, and I want to kind of get you guys to comment uh, on this. Um, it could be my imagination, Noah, but I feel like, you know, listening to the nine cuts that we hope to get to today, plus cuts from your album and from Jen's album, I feel like maybe it's a little bit more aimed at rattled nerves intentionally or subconsciously. You know, there's not quite as much stuff that's just like really sort of cranked up and some no big Kamasi Washington, you know, thing that's really sort of uh, throwing a lot of sound at you. No, as I said in my blog, jeanseymour.com, uh, by the way, um, this didn't seem to the year to kind of, you know, set off car alarms or uh, <laughs> change the universe or, uh, you know, wake the neighbors or whatever. It just didn't seem the year for that. And uh, uh, even within those boundaries, there was a lot of good music to be found still. Yes. You know, even, even using those self-imposed or arbitrary limits yeah no i i agree i've been knocked out by the choices i'm not going to delay because there's a lot for us to get through so we're going to begin with one of jen's choices uh it's dan lipperini a hartford guy a hard school jackie mclean uh uh, product here um is anything else you want us to uh think about or we should say the album is called tessellations um anything you want us to think about uh, jen as we get ready to listen to this uh, I first want to say I'm not picking this because I'm on it, but <laughs> I am on it, and yes. I and I pick it because I love Dan's playing, and I love his his compositions, and I think that they um, just have a deepness to them for um, that a lot more people need to hear, and so I hope a lot more people will hear him now that it's getting he's getting out there. So. Yeah, I was just knocked out by by, by his stuff. Uh, by the way, I'm on Noah's album, so I, everybody's got a conflict of interest, you know. Um, all right, so uh, here's uh, Dan Lipperini. The song is Spiral. I wish we could play it out a little bit longer into some of the solos, but we've got so much material to cover. So, Noah, as you listen to this, and for all I know, you know Dan Lipperini, too. This is a small state. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to go through his record collection and find a lot of Pat Metheny records, but um, what's your overall impression? Um, well, I do, in fact, know Dan Lipperini, so I won't claim uh, complete detachment. Uh, but yeah, he's a, a really fine young composer and guitarist, and I don't want to lay this all on him. This is a theme that will come back with a couple of these selections, but it's uh, it's always reassuring for a uh, middle-aged musician like myself to hear um, the young folks really bringing it like that. And yeah, he's he's got a lot of that modern vocabulary that you're referring to. Yes, and 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 well, I just uh, I, I like the title cut tessellations even more. I think than I, I like this too. Gene, uh, any uh, particular reactions from yourself? No, um, I mean I, I I come here every year to get educated or re-educated with my uh, my old home state's uh, musical heritage, and I'm always pleased to find these incredible new discoveries of uh, people that I, of whom I have never heard or heard before, and. Uh, 
to see that all the stuff that uh, I grew up with and the kind of things I was surrounded by when I grew up is still being sustained. It's uh, it's great to hear. And uh, yeah, I hear not just um, Pat Metheny, but also the proud old traditions of West Montgomery and all the others who, again, I listened to with my father and his friends and their friends most of what I was growing up with back in Hartford. So uh, yeah, it's it's gratifying. I mean, Connecticut is, a, you're gonna, we're gonna come back to this again and again, but Connecticut is such an incredible jazz state. I mean, this tiny little state, which has this kind of uptight reputation, and then you find out who, you know, who studied here, who played here. It's really so many of the people on today's show. They should officially sort of, know that too. Yeah, they, they, it's, there's a branding pro- First of all, we're underbranded. You guys need a name. You need to be the three somethings. I don't know what. And Connecticut's underbranded when it comes to jazz. So, Noah, let's make a transition here. And, and you know, maybe since you said that other thing, we should decide <laughs> when's the demarcation point uh, with old folks and, and non-old folks? Because uh, uh, Wayne Escoffrey is coming up here. I think he's 45. So, you know, which side of your continental divide does he fall on? He's, he's, I mean, I went to high school with Wayne. And so I think if I'm middle-aged, uh, he officially is as well. Okay. Uh, that, that's how I'm lining up around it. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. I think there's, everybody has their, the, the, your own perspective is inevitably like when I, now when I talk about somebody old, they, they have to be like 70 or 75. I used to think yep, people that's fair. were 50 who were 50 were kind of old. All right. So this is uh, called AK Reggie. It's from the humble warrior. Um, we should say that he did grow up, uh, actually he was born in London, grew up in Connecticut. Once again, went through that Hart uh, McLean uh, pipeline. Um, yeah. It was a, it was a bit of a, uh, a I don't want to say a coin toss, but uh, his record and that of his college roommate, Jimmy Green, um, uh, both came out close to each other um, this spring, and um, it was tough to omit one of them from the list. But uh, I, I have to say, usually it's the mayor, uh, Gene Seymour, who has a lot of trouble getting down to three. In fact, it's always Gene who has trouble getting down to three choices. Yes, it is. But you have, But I would say, Noah... Noah may, I mean, in terms of like stalling to the last minute and just having trouble pulling the trigger on three of them, Noah may have given you a run for your money. You were There's an the- extent to which I was just being transparent about my suffering in a way that I am not usually. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very 2020. All right, let's, uh, without further ado, uh, hear AKA Reggie. Okay, so Noah. Well, actually, yeah. Let's 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 have the other uh, panelists react first. Uh, Jen, uh, go ahead. Tell me what you're hearing here. I don't know if you spent uh, much time with the album itself. Yeah, I think it's a great album. I love Wayne's playing. He's very uh, controlled and measured in his uh, 
his way of going about things and he has such a, a depth uh, of experience that comes out and you just hear the quality in even that tiny little bit of music. Um, I love Wayne. I went to school with Wayne and so I have a, a fondness for his, his playing and the musicians that he chooses to play with. So it's a great album. So, um, and, and uh, what about you, Mr. Mayor? Uh, well, this will come up again in another context, but um, I'm, I'm, I become, the older I get, the, the more attuned I become, so to speak, to tone. And uh, with Wayne's playing, I, and I've especially noticed this with his recent stuff like this, um, the way he handles what we call bottom, you know, the, the bottom part the t is, is just, and I hate to use the word exquisite, because it, I'm not sure it fits, but it really does apply to this particular track. I, I really think that he's got whatever is meant by bottom. He's really refined it to an extent that uh, so many players, you know, should achieve at this point in their lives and sometimes just miss. So, you know, Noah, yeah. another theme that we'll be returning to multiple times. Uh, I mean, it's not that unusual for a bunch of really good jazz albums to have profound spiritual or existential questions embedded in them. Who, who are we? Why are we here? You know, what, what is this thing called life? What are we doing here? Um, I, though I think it's stronger this year, and, and I noticed in uh, Wayne Escoffrey's, uh, there's a kind of a almost a little simulated mass segment. Uh, I, I was actually especially knocked out by the cut called Benedictus. Uh, but but there there's some religious themes flowing through this one. Uh, I, I don't know how much more you can say about that. Yeah, it's uh, actually on one of those cuts in that his son uh, sings one of these uh, old pieces, which is uh, an, another layer of beauty on top of the whole thing. I think it is interesting. I, I'm going to maybe... Well, it, it's interesting to me that a lot of the stuff that maybe reflects the tenor of 2020 was recorded previously. It's not like all these albums that came out in the spring were conceived in the first week of the pandemic and were out a couple weeks later. So right. to me, it is very relevant and of this time. And at the same time, Wayne's sense of searching and pursuit is inherent to his essence as a musician and has been for a couple decades now. All right, so uh, we're just going to keep the, this train rolling so we don't fall behind. Uh, so let's go to Gene Seymour. Uh, we're going to talk about a, a bona fide supergroup here, uh, and uh, they've gotten a fair amount of publicity already just because of the names and the concept. So, Gene, uh, set up this cut from uh, Artemis. Uh, tell people who Artemis uh, well, might be. Artemis is this, uh, as you say, supergroup. And, and, and that's a term that's kind of a red flag to people because – the conventional wisdom is supergroups never work, too much ego, too much this. But uh, this is very different. It's it's also all women, and all these women in particular uh, have have uh, have groups of their own and reputations of their own, and they've managed to meld their sensibilities together to put out uh, this this. I think this is their first album. They've been on the road for some time now, performing at festivals and concerts throughout the world. Uh, Rini Rosnes is the pianist, and she's sort of the quarterback of this group. But briefly, uh, you've got uh, Anat Cohen on saxophone. You've got um, uh, Ingrid Jensen on trumpet, uh, Melissa Aldana on tenor sax, uh, Noriko Ueda on bass, um, Allison Miller, who I love on drums. And um, 
uh, you have um, a guest, a special guest star in Cecile McLaurin-Sylvant, who sings on uh, some of the uh, tracks. We, you and I have had many experiences with her over the years. Um, what Rini did for this one that I especially liked was to do a kind of a slow tempo, slow hand version of a familiar song by Lee Morgan, The Sidewinder, which uh, is very familiar to jazz fans. And um, by kind of slowing it down, she finds a new kind of uh, uh, space for it to exist. And uh, it, it's really, really, um, I, I thought it was one of the hippest things I heard all year. Yeah, we gotta, we're going to play this now. Sidewinder is, it's kind of a warhorse, you know, or a workhorse yep. or something in the world of jazz. But um, as you're going to hear, if you know the tune at all, um, the, the the chords these musicians are playing in are not, I, I'm sure one of our uh, two learned pianists here can explain it after the cut, but they're not the chords we typically think of with this particular song. So here's Artemis doing Sidewinder. So, um, so Jen, try, tell me what it is I'm trying to say here. But I mean, hearing the, the layering and the, the chords that are expressed here, you know, I think I'm a little bit more uh, familiar with just hearing the Lee Morgan melody. Uh, and I don't imagine those chords that are being played. What's going, what are they doing there? Uh, it's called a, uh, uh, an arrangement and a, a reharmonization of the chords. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know who did it. Maybe Rini did it or not. Uh, yeah. It was raining. Yeah, it was raining. Sounds like a pianist, honestly, um, just because of the type of chords they're using. And yeah. I mean, they have a large band, so they want to, or she wants to, I'm assuming, use all the, the different voices and use them in the most, uh, the best way that'll make all the instruments sound great. And she does a great job doing that. Um, she, she understands all that stuff so deeply, and you can just hear the, um, the way that comes through in, in the writing. And I think that's what all the acting it's just a great arrangement of that so yeah so um yeah and you can hear i mean some of the meat of the song is playing under us right now with uh, all these terrific musicians soloing uh, over that particular line noah any particular reactions of your own well i a first thing is that i've been a fan of rini since i was uh in my early undergraduate years and uh, I think this is a lovely record. It's kind of cool that they throw this standard on there. I mean, that's at the risk of patronizing um, towards the um, jazz aficionados listening to this. Um, most of this album is original material, but it's um, they follow the age-old tradition of throwing in some known piece of material so that 
listeners can use that as a point of reference for understanding their approach. Um, yeah, I think uh, the every two to a one every uh, musician on this album delivers. I would say also that uh, on whatever it is that we call this show every year, at least three, besides Cecile McClure and Salvan, at least three, uh, Melissa Aldana uh, and uh, Anna Cohn and Rini Rosnes, they've all been featured. They've all been chosen by you guys for special uh, attention by one or the other of you. And that actually allows us to make um, a, uh, a nice... Uh, through line leap to the next cut, which is uh, Joel Ross. Uh, this is a choice of Jen's. I would just point out that last year Noah picked uh, Visions uh, by Melissa Aldena, uh, and Joel Ross uh, played prominently on that. He was sort of considered a, last year a real kind of breakout star of, of jazz in 2019, the, this uh, Vibes player. So, um, Jen, anything you want us to listen for? Uh, before we actually I think what we're going to do is just talk about it and then play it uh, out into the break so um, so Jen you go first just tell us what you want us to listen for yeah I mean for me this is this is a sound that is very prevalent in jazz uh, I think he has the types of music he's writing and, and I mean jazz today that's I'm sorry I should be a little bit more clear um, I think there's as a musician and as I talk to other musicians, we all, we have, there's these different types of jazz sounds. And this one um, in particular, I think reflects a lot of where jazz is headed in, um, in the future. It has a, a very modern kind of sound. I like the makeup of the band, the approach to the solos. It, it's just a very, um, it, I wouldn't say it's like a straight ahead, like traditional kind of band. Like this, this is the stuff that's moving the art form in new directions. It's not just one direction, it's many directions, but this is definitely a prominent one. And I just felt like it was a good reflection of, of this past year. And I, I really love the playing on it. Uh, actually, I think what we should do in the interest of time is just play the song, get into the break. When we come out, uh, yes, there are albums by uh, two of our jazz mavens that we're going to be talking about, uh, as well as some really, really interesting other choices. So uh, stay with us. But uh, yeah, let's just go out with Joel Ross. Uh, I believe uh, the song is more question mark from Who Are You? Question mark.
All right. So uh, first of all, this is our yearly jazz show. If you're just turning in, tuning in, we always have our uh, the same three uh, wise jazz mavens uh, to talk about jazz. Uh, the pianists uh, and educators and composers Jen Allen and Noah Behrman and uh, critic Gene Seymour. Uh, and uh, this year, uh, the first two people I mentioned, they have notable albums out. That's Jen Allen's. Uh, I think the cut is called Kuringi. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, it's the closing track from Sifting Grace. Um, I, 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 one thing I'm fairly sure of, Gene, is that I would be a big Jen Allen fan if I'd never met her. You know, uh, you know, you just like if somebody just started playing this music to me, I'd go. I wouldn't think, oh, yeah, I used to go to church with her. I'd go, wow, who is that? That's great. And this album in particular, I'm just kind of knocked out by. So, no, well, let's you go ahead, I Gene. I feel the same way. Um, I. Uh, I've always kind of liked her, um, I, again, I have to choose my words here, attack, I guess. Um, and I think, uh, you know, it, it's always very surprising to me to see how really um, she's able to blend that attack. And and, as, and, and, I'm, and this year I've been very sensitive with how well people play with others, mm-hmm. like in the the previous albums we talked about just just the kind of communication that goes on between maybe i mean i'm sensitive to that because of the isolation we're under relatively speaking but i'm really really sensitive to the kind of communication that goes on and that's what i'm responding to here as much as anything else along of course we're playing so noah let's continue to talk about jen like she's not here um (laughs) so she owes me 10 bucks no she doesn't really (laughs) but um let's just say yeah. I, I've I've been I've been looking forward to this album for some time, and it uh, lives up to those expectations. I think my only complaint about it, um, I, I think about driving around, um, listening to it in my car in the early days of the pandemic, like freaking out trying to go get groceries, and uh, um, and it's just really a shame that like so many things that came out, especially early in the pandemic, um, as this album did, when uh, people's attention spans were so blitzed and all of the CD release gigs that were supposed to happen got shelved. Um, this it, it deserved more uninterrupted attention than um, than circumstances allowed it to get. Very kind of you. I don't know if if my music deserved it, but I, the musicians on that album gave so much and I thought they did such an amazing job. At, and I felt, we all felt run over when the pandemic hit, you know, it was just like, we didn't know what was happening. And so there were a lot of people's albums. I had tours and stuff that was going to have everything fell apart. But I, you know, I feel blessed because there's a lot of people whose full on work was completely um, decimated by that. So yeah, thank you. But yeah, you know, was- Jen, I had to pay Noah ten dollars to be able to sing on his album. So that sum of money is clearly important to him. And I, you know, if I'd known, if I th- thought there was a chance, I would have offered you ten dollars too. Um, so no, I just want to say, well, Jen, let me just ask you a quick question, which is, I, I don't know what I'm talking about here as usual, but I feel as though what I hear on this album too is, you know, as an artist gets, I'm not going to say ages, I'm going to say gets further along in her career. 
there's a way in which I think you can really kind of imagine the whole way you want a song to sound. Uh, and, and to me, that's, I felt like I, 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 I thought I was sensing that, that, wow, there's just kind of a, um, a comprehensive intelligence that runs through this song. It isn't, yeah, obviously it's a lot of really talented musicians and they're soloing and stuff like that. But I felt like you had a real strong notion uh, of what the, what the totality of each song was going to be. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's not always at the beginning, just like anybody who's writing a book or, a, uh, you know, anything, creating anything. I have a, a vision for what might happen and then it changes as it goes along. And then hopefully I can get it to some kind of completion and make it make sense. So I appreciate that. I, I do feel really good about the songs on, on this album, that they were more complete thoughts. So yeah, that's what it felt very much like. Yeah, complete thoughts. Exactly. All right. Well, let's jump over to the other one. Uh, the Noah Behrman, Noah Behrman and Friends. Uh, the album is a Love Right. Uh, we're going to play Dream Without Me. Uh, and then we'll talk about it, I think, when we come back. So, um, so let's talk about Noah. Like he's not here. Um, so, so uh, Gene Seymour, uh, give me your immediate reactions here. Well, uh, so so he's not here. I feel safe in saying that. Come on, no, I, I'm not kidding. Uh, no, really, I think that um, as, as I think I said the last time this occasion came up, uh, that one of the things that makes Noah both fit in well and be very much of a paradigm of his generation of jazz musicians is that he is not only bringing new ideas to his playing, but also is suggesting new ways of presenting it. And I think that in, 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 in the ways that he is, you know, pack, framing the music, I think is every bit as innovative, perhaps even more so than the actual music that's, that's there. I mean, the, of course the music is of course innovative in its, in its own way. But I think what what makes Noah, you know, important. Um, I mean, not just where he is, but also for the music itself, is that he is looking for ways to uh, reshape and reframe uh, the music, and which is what it needs to do. What it needs to do. I always say, adapt or die, and. Uh, <laughs> And then people like him make sure that it keeps adapting and yes. not dying. Yes. So, uh, so Jen, how about you? Uh, obviously, you guys are friends and colleagues. It must be interesting just to hear what Noah comes up with. I am always inspired by Noah. Not only his great musicianship, which is such high level, like I always get a little intimidated when we play together because I'm like, is he going to hear all the crap that I'm doing? You know, like anytime you're around another artist friend, you you kind of get a little like, oh no, they're going to see everything that's bad. But you know, he always sees the good, and that's the one thing about Noah that I I really um, not 
there's a zillion things I, I admire about him, but like he lifts people up and his vision for his, his music is more than the music. He wants to lift other people up. He wants to celebrate people. He wants to memorial, memorialize people. He wants to honor people and he wants to bring some good into this world. And there's not a lot of people who do it as well as he does. So I'm, I'm really, uh, I just love that he's my friend and a colleague and that uh, this album exists because it's, it's pretty moving. So, um, Noah, do you have anything to say for yourself? Hey, guys, I just got back. What'd I miss? <laughs> um, uh, no, uh, thank you. Um, the, yeah, it, uh, there was, um, Jen and Colin are two among the hundred people literally uh, joining me on this tribute to my friend Claire Randall. Um, and uh, Wayne Escoffrey, you heard soloing on that tune. So, mm. um, And uh, I'm just grateful to have had the opportunity to share this music, and I'm grateful for your kind words. Yeah. No, I, I, I also, I'm getting a lot of reviews for my vocal performance. A lot of the critics are really, you know, kind of. What kind of reviews, Colin? Picking out my work. Uh, reviews that I've made up in my head that I imagine I when I'm That's falling it. asleep, those kinds of reviews. All right, we have to transition here. This. I, I you know there's always one choice that fascinates me because it's just so completely uh, outside uh, most of the typical categories and like 90% of the time it's a Jen Allen pick that is certainly the true case this time uh, they're called Endless Field uh, it's a guitarist and a bassist um, I would simply like to point out that their album Alive in the Wilderness was recorded in the summer of 2020. Uh, uh, in the Utah wilderness using a solar... 20, 2019. Sorry. 2019, sorry. Uh, uh, using a solar battery-powered mobile recording studio. So so that's if that, if that isn't a Jan Allen pick, I'd like to know what is. Uh, but I've really been digging in deep with this album, Jen. Explain why, why you gravitated for, towards it first. Um, well, a couple of reasons. I, I know Ike very well, and I've played with Jesse a couple of times, but that, that isn't the reason I never pick music because I know people. It just, it helps me to understand that maybe a little bit better, but um, this album actually has videos for each of the songs. So if you go on YouTube, you can find videos that go with it. That was uh, recorded live outside and I love nature. So that number one hits me right in the heart. And then number two, um, the playing is just, it's kind of like this mix of, uh, of folk and jazz and all the different things that, um, that Ike and Jesse know how to do so well. And if anybody ever, um, knows the, the jazz Vespers at St. Peter's in New York city, Ike is the, is the music director there. And so he, he does a lot of great music. So you can always check out his music there. And that's how I met him through that. But anyway, yeah, let's play a little of this. Uh, it's also uh, Mr. McPants' favorite cut that we're doing on the show today. You got to listen to this whole thing, though. Dust was the one that really knocked me out. This one's called The Well. Sorry to fade so fast, but we gotta go. We gotta catch up here. We're behind. So yeah, I just 
Oh, I just want to say this whole album, I started calling it Prague Folk at a certain point. It's sort of like Prague Rock, but it's folk. It sounds here like, uh, in percussion-wise and guitar-wise, it sounds like maybe some Indian music is creeping in here. You start to hear sounds, sounds of the raga or something. But, uh, but Gene, uh, I'm guessing this might have been one that came out of left field for you. Did you already know about Endless Field? I did not know about this, uh, but <clears throat> but the but the very trend you're talking about is something that is very extant in uh, jazz right now. The, um, the influence of of um, of Near East, Far East rhythms and 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 the kind of incantatory uh, uh, nature of it, which I which I definitely heard here. Um, yeah, it, it, it's. <laughs> It's all looking forward, man. And I, I, I've been at a time when people kept saying that jazz was only looking back. And I keep telling people, no, it's not. This yeah. is why pay attention. You know, This whole album is so freaking cool. Noah, uh, a quick observation. I need to keep us on schedule. But. So Ike actually played on the title track of my Love Right album, Played Bass. And he's a great example, as we're hearing a lot on this show, of people who are really, really schooled in playing straight-ahead jazz at a high level, but then their own creative projects take on a vision that is not self-conscious about uh, articulating that. All right, so uh, as we uh, head towards the end of this particular segment, you know, every year we lose uh, people in the world of jazz. This year, uh, Candido Camaro, uh, the saxophonist Jimmy Heath and Lee Konitz, the singers Annie Ross and Freddie Cole, bassist Gary Peacock and Henry Grimes, the pianist McCoy Tyner, drummer Tony Allen, trumpeter Wallace Roney, and that doesn't even include Andy Gonzalez, Ellis Marsalis Masar- uh, and Jimmy Cobb. Uh, but we're going to focus on one of uh, Gene's choices. Uh, it's Jimmy Heath, who died at the age of 93. Uh, so a man who's been uh, around for a while playing saxophone. Um, we're going to actually talk up to this and then play it into the break. So uh, uh, first of all, Gene, what do you want to say about this? Uh, well, a couple of things, and I'll try to be brief. Um, he actually recorded this like last fall, like a year ago this fall, uh, when he was like turning 93. Um it was like I was weeks for his 93rd birthday, and then he was just polishing up and trying to refine these tracks uh, up until the moment he, he died earlier this year. And what's amazing to me, and what's always been amazing about me, is that when I think of Jimmy Heath, I've always thought of resilience. I've always thought of somebody who, no matter what, I mean, I was I watched him conduct a big orchestra when he was 90 years old, and he looked like the the most vital guy on stage. I mean, he was playing with as much, um, with much depth, and we talked about tone. The tone, the tonal qualities were just amazing. From from, the, the, you just don't expect here. Not a break, not a lapse, nothing. And I think in the track you're going to hear, you're going to just hear. You're going to think to yourself, so this is what '93 sounds like, and you're going to think, wow, I can't wait to get there. Because yeah, it you're is, also it, going to hear a, a lot of Wynton Marsalis. He's really prominently yes, uh, yes, featured. Yes, Wynton Marsalis, who always seems to play even better when he's on other people's albums, paradoxically, but uh, he he really distinguishes himself here, playing the part in a way of one of Heath's old late conferees, uh, Kenny Dorm. All right, we're going to have to jump right into this. Uh, we're going to run out of time. So uh, this uh, is La Misha uh, from Love Letter. Uh, this is the Jimmy Heath album released this year. <laughs> ¶¶ 
you're listening to Chris Dingman. Uh, he is one of uh, Noah Behrman's choices. Before we get into that, i got to thank Kat Pastor. This show is very complicated for the person who's firing off the cuts, uh, and she's done such a great job uh, with all the fades and stuff like that. Uh, so she's, well, we're lucky to have her. She's like our rhythm section here. Uh, and uh, then our producer or ranger would be Jonathan McPants. Uh, he's the guy who pulled this whole show together. So thanks to both of them, and thanks to the panelists. we got one last segment here with Noah Behrman, Gene Seymour, and Jen Allen. So there's like a Connecticut connection to everything, uh, Noah. Chris Dingman, uh, I don't have to tell you, since you're at Wesleyan, he was at Wesleyan, right? He was. So yeah, this is quite an illustrious year for the class of O2. The drummer on this track, uh, also class of O2, is Tim Kuyper, who is part of David Byrne's American Utopia band. Um, Mary Halverson, the great guitarist, um, came out with a wonderful, and MacArthur Fellow came out with a wonderful Code Girl album this year. And there's that Lin-Manuel guy, all all, um, all class of uh, two, uh, O2 at Wesleyan. So, and Chris uh, is delightful. Chris yeah. actually also came out with an album of like five or six hours of solo vibraphone music that is um, really gorgeous. So I encourage those who enjoyed those few seconds to devote seven hours of your life to... Uh, Dingman's music. Um, so, yeah, just some maybe some quick quick reactions from uh, Jen Allen, first of all. Yeah, uh, Chris is uh, world class in the way he approaches music, um, in the type of person he is. I love this album. I love uh, his playing, always do. And um, so, yeah, I love this. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> And how about you, Mr. Mayor, real quick? In the, in the interest of time, I'll just say he's very, very good, and he's proven himself to be very good since his first album. Since we we of the we of the jazz critics uh, NPR poll gave him best first album award uh, many many years ago. So, yep. All right, now we're, we're going to switch over from here to uh, the Maria Schneider Orchestra. This is one of Mayor Gene uh, Seymour's uh, picks uh, this year. Um, before we play this. Uh, I would like to introduce uh, my most obscure piece of trivia for today. So Maria Schneider, who's been around for a long time, is from Wyndham, Minnesota. Also from Wyndham, Minnesota, was Johnny Olson, who was like the announcer on all those game shows. You know, he was like the guy who told you about the prizes, um, to tell the truth, and what's my Come on line. down. Match, yes. yes, match, match game, the price is right, all that stuff. So... Uh, that's my weird piece of obscure trivia. I think what we should do is play some of this cut and, and then have all three panelists talk about it. We're actually not too screwed for time right now. So this is Data Lords from Data Lords, the Maria Schneider Orchestra. So um, before we get in even to the meat of the music, one thing that I can tell you is that because we're going to give you a whole list online of every song that we played. If you want to build your own playlist or whatever, uh, you can do that. Although when you come to this one, you may be going, hey, there's a problem here. My Spotify isn't working. Uh, and, and Noah, that's because uh, Maria Schneider, I think, is, uh, among other things, a huge advocate for artist copyrights and maybe not all that, well, not all that down with uh, all these free streaming services. 
That is correct. And indeed, the concept behind data lords gets a lot into the way information is um, shared and disseminated these days, which also uh, some people just don't even think about the fact that paying money to musicians is actually consequential. But uh, this year, more than ever, even if you don't buy the record, stream it on Spotify and just send them 20 bucks if you like it. Um, <laughs> it really in many cases is uh, consequential, both economically and from the standpoint of morale to keep going. Okay. Or, or 10 bucks, uh, as you know, that's what Noah <laughs> usually charges for stuff, as we've discovered here on the show today. So, um, so uh, Gene, yeah, tell us just very quickly why you made this choice. Um, well, first of all, uh, she, as, as you have alluded to, she, is, she may be, at the very least, the most important arranger, composer, band leader of the present day, um, with an incredible body of work, impressive body of work, from which this is a singular departure, in my opinion, of, of the, uh, it's an odd choice of words, from her previous work, in that um, uh, there's a lot of, there's almost a, a kind of anger and restlessness to this to this stuff, as you may have detected from that tra that, that, that squib you played. Um, but what I find even beyond the thematic idea, which of course she's juxtaposing the digital world with the natural world, the latter of which has always been very important to her um, and has been a wellspring for her inspiration, for, 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 for her music rather. Um, she lets her musicians really go at it on this in ways that I have never heard her do before because she's all about the orchestrations. She's all about the voicings and the blendings. But even in that one track, you can tell that there's still a core as, as, as unfettered and as wild, as seemingly wild as the soloists get. There's that, there's that solid bottom, as I, as I word I used before, that core, that orchestral core that just keeps it propped up. And I think the more I listen to this, the more I think, I thought the last one was a masterwork. This may be even more of a masterwork than the one that came before. All right, uh, Jen Allen, a quick uh, reaction? Uh, I mean, she is a, a composer who um, is unmatched in a lot of ways nowadays. I mean, she writes for her musicians. She's able to do that. She has the ability and has made it kind of her, her thing where she is not going to put her music on Spotify and she's going to hire the best musicians and consistently similar musicians so that she knows who she's writing for and and I think she's kind of every composer's dream, you know, so we all look up to her. It's amazing. So, um, okay, so we can now segue into, uh, we're going to make it. We're actually going to get to all the songs. I'm so happy. Uh, so the last cut uh, is, first of all, Noah, I feel like, you know, when you first mentioned this, I thought, you know, I just heard so many albums that rely on saxophone and tap dancing. Uh, I just feel like the whole concept is played out. You know, do I really want to hear another one? Um but uh, then you uh, have surprised me. <laughs> I, I'm, I hope it's clear that I'm kidding. There aren't any other albums that I know of that are like that. Um, so, Noah, tell us uh, about the, these two artists. Uh, so DeWitt Fleming Jr. is based in New York. Uh, he's the tap dancer and percussionist. And Erica Von Kleist, who plays Woodwinds uh, as the co-composer, is from... Uh, she went to Hall High School in West Hartford, uh, but she lives out now in Whitefish, Montana, where, and in a way, she's sort of a, a symbol of what jazz is right now in terms of being industrious and figuring out how to make stuff happen 
under less obvious circumstances. She lived in New York and worked for many years. Um, and she's doing, um, she's doing a lot of really impressive things out there. She's got a nonprofit that brings arts to the region. She's got a new musical that you can rent and stream called your musical is canceled the musical. Um, and, uh, and, the interplay that she and DeWitt have um, when they write and play together is really infectious and it's not at all gimmicky. It's like all of the best things about jazz rhythm and energy um, augmented and amplified through, um, through the tap, which is not just, it's not just an addition. He's an integral part of the band. Right. So uh, you were, uh, so Demira's not to mention her one woman show boobs and other stories, uh, with her at the piano and voice. So yes, this is kind of hatched in the jazz cradle of whitefish, Montana. Uh, and, and it does involve an alumna of the celebrated hall high school jazz program. So, uh, I actually really did fall in love with this album. Uh, it's called, uh, Intersplosion, Intersplosion, live at Dizzy's Club, uh, Saxon Taps by Erica Von Kleist and DeWitt Fleming Jr. We're going to go out with that. And thanks to Jen and Noah and Gene the Mayor. And thanks to you for listening. Mm-hmm.